podcast you're about to hear is an expansion of an article that I wrote that has been highly anticipated for me to write. Uh, It's one of the most important articles I think I write every single year. So that should tell you where we are with this podcast, what it's going to be about. And if you don't, go over to my blog, see the most recent post that I have put up, and then you'll get the idea of what this podcast is about. And if you're listening to this podcast first, I highly urge you to go read the article first, and then come back here. The article, or the, This podcast will make more sense that way. And at the very tail end of this podcast, it's actually kind of half of the podcast, uh, I have a special guest, first-time guest for the locks this week to get some mojo back after I thought I had my swagger back, as Travis Kelsey would say, um, or did say post-game against the the Raiders. I went 4-1, then 0-2. So I, I brought a special guest on for for the picks. Enjoy. It's a good one. Sit back, relax, and have some fun. You're listening to the Grind Hours Podcast. At the wall! See ya! See ya! So, to begin the pod, it is the all-MLB second team. And we will just jump right into it. I think this is the most important in terms of baseball awards. I think it's bigger than the MVP. Uh, I, I think it's as equal as the MVP and should be thought as such it is in the NBA it is in the NFL where people get paid for this people get recognized for this when they go in the Hall of Fame and I think this is an idea that should have been implicated years ago and I, I don't think it's taken as seriously as it should be so with that said I had that as a little lead-in for the article and that's a little lead-in for the podcast to start things off at the catcher position the second team catcher for me is Buster Posey in his final season as a major league baseball player he posted a 304 average 18 homers an on-base percentage of 390 an OPS plus of 140 and a three and a half war player as his last season he's a sure bout Hall of Famer and that has to go down as one of the best last seasons of a career not only for a catcher, but in the history of the game. Number two, and the number two guy on my National League MVP ballot is Max Muncy. 36 homers, 95 runs scored. I know he was in that Dodger offense, so that's going to inflate his run scored numbers. But he had 95 RBIs. I know, circumstantial with the RBIs. And, it's you know, they, they had people on base and he drove them in. I get that. 138 OPS plus, though. And the 36 homers. And... His ability to play multiple positions and could have stuck, stuck him at second base, but he played majority of his games this year at first base. However, the second baseman for the second team is his partner on the right side of the infield for much of the second half in Trey Turner. Now I talked about a bunch of about Two of the I talked about two of these guys uh, in particular. One guy who had a 30-30 season in Cedric Mullins. One who was very, very close in Jose Ramirez. Well, Trey Turner almost had a 30-30 season. He had 32 stolen bases and 28 homers, a 328 average, 107 runs scored. That's not just in the Dodger offense. He was also in Washington for the first half of the year. 
130 or 146 OPS plus, excuse me. A 30-30 season should put you on, on this list. And getting damn close, it's really important. It doesn't happen anymore. It really doesn't. And all of these guys, we now have one who, who did it in Mullins and two that are damn close in Ramirez on the first team and Turner here on the second team. It's, it's important. It should be celebrated. It doesn't happen, especially with the, the way that analytics have taken away stolen bases. The people who do it, do it, but you don't get that combination of speed and power all that often. Also, Turner has the, the best slide I've ever seen. Uh, so that, that should be awarded for something. Moving to shortstop, it's free agent Carlos Correa, 7.2 war. He had 26 homers, 92 RBIs, 131 OPS plus. And he led the league for shortstops with seven defensive runs saved, saved according to Fangraphs. He is the best defensive player, infielder in the game. And I just think, you know, my pick for, I'm not going to spoil the entire piece, but my pick for the first team, I just, I think it was better. I think he had a better season and it impacted his team more. But Correa on the defensive side of the ball is a wizard. And defense is a part of the game too. And that's what championship teams are made of. You need defensive players to, to show up in the playoffs, and, and Correa is one of those types of players. Finishing up the infield, Red Sox third baseman Rafael Devers takes home those honors. Actually, really quickly, on the shortstops. I know Tatis is off this list. He didn't play enough games. It's just like if a guy doesn't play enough games in the NBA for uh, Rookie of the Year or for the MVP, if you don't play enough games, I don't care that your numbers are amazing. You didn't play enough games. And if Tatis was there for a full season, I think he is on one of these two teams. I think he is the National League MVP. He might even get the MVP. That is, uh, that's going to be awarded later today. So I just, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know uh, with Tatis. But, you know, if he was there for a full season, maybe the, the Padres are in the playoffs. Anyway, getting back to Devers, 38 homers, 113 RBIs, 101 runs scored, 352 OBP, 132 OPS plus. He was the cog in that, he was the, the straw that made the, the drink stir, the, the, the straw that stirred the drink. Wow, I, I'm just brain fart there. But he was the reason why the Red Sox made the playoffs, and he propelled them into the playoffs in the Washington series, in the final series of the year. So he, it wasn't just a hot first half. He stayed the entire year consistent and he is a force to be reckoned with. Moving to the outfield. It is Teoscar Hernandez who takes the left field position. He is the most electric player in the second half at bat for at bat. 32 homers, 116 RBIs. It seems like every single guy in that Toronto lineup hit over 30 homers. He also had a 296 average, 133 OPS plus. He was one of the biggest reasons why Toronto was in it down the stretch. And I think he it, he's put himself on the map. He's put himself in the living rooms of the casual baseball fan, I think, with this season. And he's just going to be one of those players 
that is going to continue to jump out of your television television screen in whatever facet it is um, for years to come. Center field, Starling Marte, 310 average, 47 stolen bases, 383 OBP, a 132 OPS plus. He is as close as you can get to Ricky Henderson. I know he, uh, that's not just the Oakland A's comparison. He is a sure thing when it comes to stolen bases. And I, I mean, you can make this the same comparison to Trey Turner, I guess, but Marte in center field, he can go get him with the best of them. He's a plus base runner, clearly, with the 47 stolen bases. And I think he played himself into a really big contract. I think he has shown that even though he is a little bit older than, than most of the players in the market, he still has a lot of game left. I, the Yankees, who, who's to say if they, they will take a flyer on him, but I, I definitely think he played himself into a big-money contract this year. And th- that this season should be uh, rewarded as such. So moving to right field, it's Aaron Judge. It's Aaron Judge. Six year or six war season from him. Thirty nine homers, ninety eight RBIs, hundred and forty nine OPS plus. Eight defensive runs saved, which led all right fielders in baseball. He is, he's a freak. He's one of the most well-rounded players in the game. He is back to his rookie year, where. He is an absolute superstar. When he's healthy, there are not many players better than him in the league. I think he is definitely going to get top three MVP discussion. He would be the uh, first teamer if Juan Soto didn't play this year. It's almost a crime that I have to put him on the second team because of how good he actually was this year when he played. And I just want to see more of him. I want to. I want him to continue to do this because when he is on... He's electrifying. He is the, my favorite player to watch. He is awesome, and I, it's a joy that I get to watch him on a daily basis. DH, Yonder Alvarez, 33 homers, 104 RBIs, 136 OPS plus. He is the second coming of Big Poppy, I want to say, because he doesn't play a position all that often, and when he does, it's It's not bad, but it's okay. Um, he's just a masher. He, <laughs> he does what he's supposed to do. He, he, he steps in the box, and he grips it, and he rips it, and more often than not, he's going to connect and hit one over the wall. He's amazing. Um, and I hate saying that because he's, he's a Houston Astro, but I, get, I do give him props, and he is the second-best uh, designated hitter in the league. Moving to the rotation, like the first team, no particular order on this rotation. First up is Walker Bueller, 207 two-thirds innings, 2.47 ERA, went 14 and 6, 200, over 200 strikeouts with 212, 165 OPS, or ERA plus, excuse me. He was the ace for the Dodgers for majority of the season. He is going to get Cy Young votes. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, so that will be announced in the near future here. Uh, 
So Bueller, number one. Again, no particular order, but I'm just naming him first. Next up is Kevin Gosman, who also played himself into a, a really big contract. 192 innings, 2.81 ERA, also 14 and 6. 227 innings, even 145 ERA plus. He was the ace for the best team record-wise in the game. He pitched pretty well in the postseason. He, but this is a regular season award, so uh, he is the one of the godfathers in spin rate. If you look uh, at his spin rates on Baseball Savant, it is up there with the best of them in the league. He is, he's an admiration. I want to see him do it again, but um, for one season, there there was not you know ten better pitchers th than Kevin Gosman. So he's on this list. Next up is another guy who's going to be in, in Cy Young consideration. I don't think he will win it just because he got hurt, and that's Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers. 179 and a third innings, 2.56 ERA, 211 strikeouts in those 179 innings, plus and an ERA plus of 166. He would have been the ace on any other staff in the league. He just had you know the best pitcher in baseball in front of him. So... It would be a very interesting conversation if he stayed healthy. I would have loved for him to stay healthy the entire year. I probably would have picked him for the Cy Young if he did stay healthy. But he is he's came out of nowhere in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and he stayed pat from 2017 on. So for the past four seasons, he's been one of the best in the game, and Brandon Woodruff stays one of the best in the game in 2021. Next, Julio Urias, who is the only 20-game winner in MLB this year, 2.96 ERA, 195 strikeouts, and an ERA plus of 138. He, it seems like he was forgotten about, especially in the back half of the year with the Scherzer trade. He was a beast. I mean, yes, the win isn't the same as it was, and it, some people don't think that wins should count because they're not starting pitcher stats, just like there's some football uh, big-time analyst I don't think um, quarterback wins is a, or wins is a quarterback stat I get that but still it matters if you if you contribute to your team that well it matters and should be it should be worth something and I think it's worth a spot on the the all-mobile second team so Julio Urias and rounding out the starters the front runner for majority of the season for A.L. Cy Young, Lance Lynn, he also got hurt, uh, which I think hurt his candidacy for both Cy Young and first team, all MLB. 157 innings, 176 strikeouts in those innings, 2.69 ERA and 161 ERA plus. He was a stud. He got hurt in the back half of the year. And also Chicago their games didn't matter for two months, so that also hurt him. He was still awesome, and he, again, he's been like Woodruff. He's been awesome, and this list isn't just from past performances, but they are the best in the game. Both of them, they're not 10 better pitchers than them. They're not, and, um, heck, there might not even be six better pitchers than them. So, Lynn is worth the money. He showed it again. So take him on the list. Relievers, really quickly. Jonathan Luizaga took a huge step. 
2.17 ERA, 69 strikeouts in 70 and two-thirds innings. He was the Yankees' best relief pitcher throughout the year, and I cannot wait to see what he does in 2022. He just... I, I, he, I, it's indescribable what he did for the Yankees. He kept them afloat. He was absolutely amazing for them this year. And I don't think, unless you watch Yankee baseball, you even know who Jonathan Lewisaga is. I, I don't think majority of baseball fans even know how to say his name. And that's how good he is. Um, he did step in and have five saves a couple of them during the 12-game the winning streak for the Yankees. He was money. He was money. And, I, again, I can't wait to see what he does next year. Finishing up the all-MLB second team is Drew Steckenrider. If you don't know who that is, he is a relief pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. He had an even two ERA this year, 58 strikeouts and 67 and two-thirds innings, and he took over as Seattle's closer down the stretch. Got 14 saves. He, the, the Seattle team was lightning in a bottle. Nobody expected them to do anything, and they won 90 games, and Steckenrider was the best pitcher on that staff. I, as I said on this podcast, it's a group of nobodies, and he was the best. He's somebody now. He's somebody now, um, and I think he deserves to be on the All-MLB team. So that is it. That's the whole, if you read my article, that's the first team. This is the second team. I love doing this. This is the most painstaking, the most time I I put in an article all year just because I follow it through the season and I adjust it throughout the season. But this is the final list that I came up with. Argue with me on Twitter all you want. This is the list, and I think this is the right list. So uh, after the break, we will end the podcast with, uh, with a special guest and the picks. Back after this. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Joining for the first time, you're the last member of the the Fantasy Football Four Horsemen to don this podcast. It is my classmate, it is fellow podcast host, I can say that because he hosts some weeks, Jack Hopkins. Jack, I feel like this is long overdue, not just for football or fantasy football, but for picks specifically, because you and I, now every Monday, we talk about the Monday night game and who we're taking Every week, every week we do that. So we do. It is. It is very. Uh, w- welcome to the to the play by play fam. Welcome to the grind hours podcast. Um, and jumping right into it, since you are the guest, you get to go first with your first lock of the week. We are doing week eleven, which it's. I said it last week. It's crazy that we're in week ten. It's crazy that we're in week eleven. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on, Joe. It's uh, it's great to be here. Uh, we do talk every week, every Monday. This this Monday, I had a bit of a ballsy call. 
I said the 49ers are going to cover plus plus four, plus four and a half, whatever it was, uh, whichever sports book you were using. They didn't just cover, they absolutely smashed the Rams, um, which was incredible. Um, so I will start off. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. I'm going to go against your Jets here. That's fine. And I think the Dolphins are an absolute lock at minus three on, on the DraftKings Sportsbook. They're coming off a huge win against the Ravens. That was a huge primetime win last Thursday. And I think the defense that we saw towards the end of last year is finally starting to click. That was one thing I think that happened towards the start of this year that people didn't quite... They, they were thinking that Dolphins were going to come straight out the gate and do exactly what they did at the end of last year. They haven't done that. I think they're clicking right now. And the Jets just, they give up so many, they, they, they give up the most points in the league. They've given up 33 points a game this year. And I can't see the Jets scoring 30 and, and the Dolphins scoring 33. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I like. I can't see the Jets scoring more than 10. Like, exactly. So <laughs> Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback. And that's what I was about to say. Tour is back too. He's been announced mm-hmm. as starting. I just think it's an absolute lock. It's, it's minus three. I would probably take it at you know minus eight, minus nine, honestly. So um, I I think that's a that's an easy one for me. I am in lockstep with you. That is my first lock as well. Um, Miami. It's just it, it's twofold. They always kill the Jets in Miami. So that's <laughs> that that's general principle number one. General principle number two is I'm always if Flacco is the starting quarterback on any team, not just my team, <laughs> I'm taking the other team. Whatever it is. And I love Miami. I think their receivers are going to just dominate. Mike Isicki, after not scoring, not having one catch all of last mm-hmm. week, he historically, if you have him in fantasy, I don't care if you have, you know, Waller or uh, Kittle. Maybe Kelsey, but that's about it. That's yeah. the only other tight end I would start over Gasicki this week because you could go back through the numbers. He historically killed Eats. the Jets. So, and he had is, seven, he had seven targets last week. I'm pretty sure as well, which is yes. incredible to think he put up a goose. So the volume is there, right? It's just yep. it, it just uh, Jacoby Brissett was off, right? So, and I think Tua came in in the last game. Did, did he not? Yes, he came. Yeah. In, he came in relief just like he did in Alabama and. They took down the, the Ravens. So yeah. I'll go for my number. And the other thing, last thing with this Miami line, that's the number, it's the number one line that jumped off the page at me. This line yeah. stinks. This line should be Miami minus eight. Yeah. It should, it, that's where it should have started. And I would and, still take it there. Yeah. No, so. I would too. But the fact that you're all, that you're only giving up a field goal, I mean, on a neutral field, that means these teams are even, and these teams are not, they're no. anything but even. Uh, the Jets are horrible. So my number two, and this is, I think, a gross overreaction to last week in a little bit of both ways, but that is the Washington football team plus three and a half. I believe in Taylor Heineke. I believe in Washington, even without Chase Young. I believe in Ron Rivera scheming against his former starting quarterback, who he didn't want in Washington. So, plus, I, I think, you know, everyone's going crazy over Cam and, you know, him screaming, I'm back after he, after he runs in that touchdown. So, I think that this would have been – I'm honestly – I don't know how Washington's favorite in this after they just took down – uh tampa bay at home so in carolina it's cam's coming home party i think that alone is why this line is where it is and i'm taking 
Washington plus three in the hook. I'm going to move into my next one. Uh, this one is a little bit, bit, little bit more of a bold pick, I think, because a lot of people are riding this team right now. And I'm picking the Colts to cover the plus seven against the Bills. Now, I looked at it. I looked at it. What, yeah. Well, one of the big reasons here is that Buffalo either blow teams out or they're in these tight, cagey affairs where they're just about winning, scraping the win or they're just about scraping a loss, i.e. losing to Jacksonville. You know, they beat the Chiefs only just. They uh, lost to the Titans only just. And it's like they're, they're in these close games. And I really think like Indianapolis have only lost one extra game. Oh, sorry, two extra games. But they're only one win behind the, the Bills right now. And Jonathan Taylor is absolutely dominating. I don't. I do think that Buffalo defense is going to slow him down a little bit. But Jonathan Taylor is absolutely dominating. Carson Wentz is getting healthier by the game. Michael Pittman is eating out there. I feel like this is just going to be a one field goal kind of game. I feel like Indianapolis could maybe even score first. And I feel like they can capitalize on, on the Buffalo team. Um, and yeah, the Buffalo are going to have to pass the ball. They're not going to be able to run on that, on that defense because let's be honest, Indianapolis probably have the best running defense in the league and the Buffalo Bills don't have a running game anyway. So Josh Allen's right. going to have to pass the ball more. That's not to say Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox, like those guys obviously can catch the ball. I just think this is going to be a closer game that I don't think the Colts will win, but I just think it's going to be closer than what the spread has as, as you know, one touchdown. The only thing that I will say with this pick is you are trusting your, you're putting your money in the hands of Carson Wentz. And that is always, always a dangerous game to play. So yeah. I don't would, tell me you have the other way around. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. I thought I'm this just was going to be that For me, I looked at it, but yeah. it's a stay away for me. Uh, yeah. My third pick is, and my family in Pittsburgh is going to hate me for this. It is the chargers minus the five and a half. And if Big Ben plays, I'm still taking the Chargers because Big Ben honestly is not that much of an improvement from Mason Rudolph. No. And if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback, just like if Flacco's the starting quarterback, I'm taking the other team running away. I yeah. think this Chargers team at home plays particularly better than they do on the road. I think they also – they're going to be playing pissed off this week because the narrative for the Chargers is, oh, it's the same old Chargers. They're, they're not going to be a playoff team. They're not really serious about contending this year. And I think that Herbert and Keenan Allen and those boys are going to light up the Pittsburgh Steelers like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and I think what is very much worth mentioning as well is that it looks like Minka Fitzpatrick's not going to play this, this game for the Steelers. And it also looks like TJ Watt is highly questionable going into this game too. If those two guys miss, this is even, even an even bigger yeah. like lock. You know, I, I think I looked at this one as well and was highly debating this one too. Um, you know, Pittsburgh have just had the scrappiest tie with the worst team in the league. You know, it's kind of like they're so up and down. And I really, I agree with the narrative of, of the Chargers coming in and just playing annoyed. And Herbert, you know, he, he's had a couple of doubters at the moment, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of people, a couple of people were thinking he's going to come into his sophomore year and he was going to absolutely light it up. And he was going to really take that next step. And he, he has done it in some games, but in some games he hasn't. And I really think the Pittsburgh defense is, a, especially without Minka Fitzpatrick in that secondary, that he can really light up. This could be a Mike Williams game, which yeah. we haven't said since week three, yeah. you know, 
So that's that's going to be interesting um, for me. Um, so my my third one is uh, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Uh, this is this is a barely a spread. This is minus one for, for right. the Bengals. So this is it's pretty much an even money line spread. So my my biggest reasoning going in is you also you've got to bear in mind that the the Bengals led their division going through the first five games of the season, five or six games. And they had a really hot start. Now that came, you know, that came back a little bit, but they had a horrible loss against the Cleveland Browns going into their bye. Joe Burrow played his worst game that he's played this entire season. He looked really bad. For some reason, Jamar Chase was dropping balls. It just, it was just an awful game all around. And they got into the bye. I do like teams coming out with the bye because I think that they have time to really recuperate. Joe Mixon's going to be back fully healthy. He's going to have a week off. Joe Burrow, I think, needed another week off. T. Higgins has been seeing more and more volume. And I think that Raiders secondary can really be capitalized on. I think this could be a Jamar Chase top five performance again this week. And I really think that after the Raiders just, the Raiders looked weak last week. They had an absolute battering from the Chiefs, which is always such an exciting game, the Raiders and the Chiefs. But I think this being an even spread, I thought it was quite surprising to me because I think that people are like teams off the bye. I don't think. The, the bookies don't really know exactly where to put the line. Right. I think this one was one of those ones where it's like, we'll just kind of put it even-ish. But I, I think the Bengals are, are locked this week. I think they're going to come come out like all guns blazing. The other thing with Cincinnati, too, is you don't know what team is going to show up on a week-to-week basis. They could be a Super Bowl contender, or they could look like they're contending for the lottery. You don't really know which, <laughs> yeah. one, which way to go. Uh, the last one. This is going against all conventional wisdom that I had that I've had the entire year. I love it. It is Kansas City minus the two and a half. I like it. And the reason for it, it this is not this is a simple reasoning. I am picking Andy Reid over Mike McCarthy. Uh, I know the Chiefs ha- haven't covered at all this year. They did last week, but majority of the year, I think. Eight out of the 10 weeks, they did not cover. So this is going against conventional wisdom. I think the Raiders unlocked a little bit of what the Chiefs of the old, the Chiefs of old, the Chiefs that we've been waiting to see the entire year. Yeah. I think this is going to be a really, really fun game. I just think, you know, there's a late touchdown that pushes this game over the number. But for the majority of the game, I do think that this game is close. But going off of the firepower of Mahomes, it's the Cowboys' first trip into Arrowhead, and that's the toughest place in the league to play. So give me KC minus the two and a half. Yeah, I also like this pick a lot. I mean, I can I can envision it right now, Trevion Diggs getting an interception from Patrick Mahomes to, <laughs> to add to his tally this season. But I I think... This game, honestly, like the over under this game could be like 65 and I might take the over. Like I could, I could see this game being yeah. a real shootout because I know that people think the Dallas secondary has been good because of Diggs' interceptions. I don't think people realize that he's also letting like over 100 yards a game to the receivers that he, he's just boom or bust. You know, if he doesn't make the play, you're gone. You know, I, I do think that um, there's a possibility that CD Lamb might sit this game. I know that he kind of got banged up at the end of the Falcons yeah, game and didn't return. Still. And I think the reason he didn't return is because they were up so so much against the Falcons. But I, I like this as well. Like I, 
I did my pickums before today in, in the Yahoo format, and it was it was the Chiefs minus two and a half, and, and I picked the Chiefs at minus two and a half because I do think that I do think that people are going to be looking at that Cowboys and thinking they just blew out the Falcons. I'm a Falcons fan, right? It wasn't that impressive. Like it really <laughs> wasn't. You know, it was it was just awful defense. So I like that pick a lot. For me, like we love the favorites this week, Joe. Um, yeah. But I... <laughs> for me, I'm going with Tampa versus the Giants. Now, this this is I I tend to avoid these big spreads. The you know it's minus eleven, and I and I and it's it's Monday night game. It's prime time. It's prime time Brady, who was just coming off an right. awful loss to a two and six Washington team. Right. You know, there is I feel I mean, and I just talked about the narrative of the giant of the um, teams coming off the bye playing well. I feel really bad for the Giants having to come and play Brady off the bye on prime time because I feel like it's it's in Tampa Bay. The Giants have to travel to Tampa, and it's going to be one of those games where I think Brady is just going to play, as we said earlier, like pissed off. Did you see his interview after the game, after yeah. the Washington game? Yep, it was less. It was less than two minutes, right? Yep. He was in and out. Like, and I think I think one of the captions at the time was like, "I feel sorry for the Giants next week because I think he's going to come out and just completely light it up." I don't think the secondary has anything to cover the elite threats that they have there. I'd be curious to see if AB and Gronk are back this week. I know they've been cautious with those players, and honestly, with someone like Gronk, I could see them possibly holding them out until the playoffs because he's just that important to the team. They know they're going to make it, so I'm going to be really curious to see how this game goes. But I think that the Bucks are. A, a real lock at minus 11 because I, I, I can see them scoring two touchdowns in the first half and then it's just an even game from there. They're just going to keep keep moving away from them. Um, I don't know what you think, Joe. Um, my, the only thing that I, I will say about this is the Giants always play good on in primetime games. They don't win them, but they, they, they do play well in them. So just yeah. to recap here, we both have Miami minus the three, and a, the, the, the three. I have Washington plus the three and a half. You have Cincinnati minus the one. I have the Chargers minus the five and a half. You have Indianapolis. I believe that is, is it five and a half? No, plus seven. For plus the, seven. For the Colts, for the Colts, and yeah. I have the Chiefs minus two and a half. And you have on Monday night in prime time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 11 against the New York football giant. Jack, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. I will see you later. I know you have to go. Yeah. So I, I will let you, I'll let you go. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on. The invitation is always open and, uh, be good, my friend. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate it. On this side of the coin, not the fake J Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. This whole podcast has been an extension of, uh, the latest piece that I put up, the all MLB first team. So that is officially out. I give detailed explanation as to why my picks are the way that they are, um, and it is not based off of, again, it's not based off of the people that were selected by, uh, by MLB.com. It's who I think uh, deserves to be on that list. And if you reach this point, please like, subscribe, share this podcast with anybody who you seem fit. Download the show. It means more to the show. Then you know if you're on iTunes, please give us a review. And I haven't done this in a while, but please go listen to 7-Minute Stories. It, it was the... The ad at the middle of the podcast, please go over there and listen. Aaron and what he's doing over there is absolutely tremendous, and I cannot recommend that podcast enough. If you've been on the uh, fan of the show for a while, you've seen Aaron's stuff, and Aaron has actually come on the pod uh, to talk some sports. So 
go over there, check Aaron out. He does it every single Thursday. The newest episode of 7 Minute Stories should be up as uh, this podcast releases wherever you are. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone is happy and healthy. Uh, let me be among the first, yeah, as the great Chris Berman would say, to wish you a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Best of travels to everyone uh, with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. And uh, happy early Hanukkah, because that is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I will give you an update on the schedule in terms of what the show is going to look like for Thanksgiving holiday uh, next week. And yeah, have a great weekend. And till next time, it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.